0: And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
1: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God.
0: For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them.
1: But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
2: I'll probably need uh, more than 30 seconds of confession. Uh, Thank you, Jeff. Uh, You know, I don't know most of you, but it's really cool to be here, and I do feel kind of like I'm coming home. There are a few folks I know and and some uh, people I got to meet last night, and uh, it's very special. It's good to see y'all, and it's good to talk to you about what God is doing in the world and what I think we in the American church need to do a better job of. And our theme this morning is Go Therefore. I hope you've seen that and maybe even read about it and prayed about it. That's what we're going to talk about, and I'm going to try to talk about four things. Now, don't get scared. For you people that want a three-point sermon, that doesn't mean it's going to be longer. Uh, I think, what time do the Mavs play? Uh, We'll be through by then. Okay, all right. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about God's command, and we'll talk about the call to His message of reconciliation, and we're going to talk about the call to be God's ambassadors, and then our commitment to go therefore. So that's what I'm going to try to talk to you about, and we'll use these scriptures that you've heard, and we'll look at them again as we, as we go along. So let's pray. Father, you are indeed holy, holy, holy. And I must confess, sometimes we forget that. I forget that. This morning, as we look at your word, and as we look at your commands, and your direction... I pray that you would help us to see clearly who you are, what you have done for us, and what we should do about that. I pray that you would help me as your servant uh, to bring your message uh, well and help me to uh, talk about in in a good way these very important scriptures that you've given us. Help us to be a great time of worship and a great time of uh, commitment and recommitment to serving you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Missions is dull and boring. Yes, you heard me say that. Thirty-one years ago, in another church where I was an elder, our pastor came to me and said, "Hey." we would like you to take uh, a role with our missions committee. We're, Rafer's not here, so it would be good for him to hear this. But, and he, he said, we want you to work with our missions committee and be the elder liaison with the committee. And I said, I don't think so. Uh, I wanted to do evangelism. There was another pastor, and I was excited about that. And so I said, I don't think so. Well, being a smart pastor, he said, would you pray about it? Well, you know, you've got to say yes to that and I did I prayed about it and and I served on the committee for about six months and wasn't very excited and uh pastor came and asked me about it I said well I'm just you know I'm not turned on sorry and uh I want to do what God wants but I'm you know I'm just not turned on he said would you go to a conference about missions it was in California and I don't know if any of y'all were here in 1980 or in the area. We had a record heat wave that, that month or that year, like you know, lots of ga- uh, temperatures over 100. I went to California where I had to wear a sweater at night. Um, so I went to this conference, and it was three days, 800 people, all of them there to talk about missions. And they were people on missions committee. There were people uh, that were there weren't missions pastors in those days to speak of, uh, but uh, there were some mission age, uh, missionaries and some mission agency people, and they were all talking about missions. I get up at seven in the morning, go to breakfast, everybody's talking about missions. Then we go to a work workshop uh, or actually a worship uh, time. Everybody's talking about missions. Great speaker, great time of praise and great time of prayer and music. Go to lunch, everybody's talking about missions. I didn't know anybody there, so all I could do was listen to them talk about this. Um, this went on for three days and I didn't have a roommate at this particular event. So every night, you know, about 10 o'clock at night, I'd come back and I was just by myself. Well, I wasn't by myself. I was with God and he was talking to me all this time. And, uh, Sue, my wife picked me up at the airport and I, you know, got off the plane. In those days you could even be at the gate, but I don't think you were. But, uh, anyway, got, off, got, got off. And we were driving back to our house, which is 30, 45 minutes from the airport. And she said, well, how'd it go? I couldn't talk. I just started crying. And she let me, you know, she kind of watched me a little bit. And she let me go for a minute. And um, she said, you want to talk about it? I tried again. And I just started crying. I think that happened three times on the way home. And it wasn't until we got home that I was able to talk about what God had talked to me about and he wanted me to be involved in missions and Sue will tell you that I think we had been married maybe 18 years or something like that at that point she had never seen me cry never but God talked to me in a way to let let me know what Steve Sarah Jason Laura wherever you are uh, what you guys do and how maybe I could be a part of that and it was just as clear as a bell uh, and so I set off to do it now I didn't go to work as a, on, with a church right away I'd, I was an elder so I worked for many years doing that but I tell you that because I started off saying mission, missions is dull and boring and here's the irony now I'm in front of you guys and some of y'all are saying, "Come on now." Some of y'all are saying missions is dull and boring. I know you are. And and the irony is that I'm coming back to your kind of first missions conference, and I'm hoping there'll be something exciting here. I'm hoping that somebody, many somebodies, will walk away and be excited about what God's doing and your part, your part in it. Because I guarantee you, He's got a part for you. If you're a believer, He's got a part for you. So I'm hoping that even though I once said missions is dull and boring, that you'll be excited about something and be turned on to a God who loves you. If you will, turn in your Bibles and let's go right to the basics. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew 28. We're going to hit this morning some very, very basic scriptures. But I'm doing it because I want you to see, I want you to see what this book says about our role and what God wants us to do. So I'm going to to hit some things kind of hard, and I think that'll be okay. Uh, So let's look at it. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... "...and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Jesus starts this particular passage with, "...all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." okay in really kind of crass terms not theological terms that means he's the boss he's got all authority he's got all the power if he tells you where you work if you got a job where you work if your boss tells you to do something he's got the authority to tell you that right and it's really not good to say no I don't think so he's got the authority well Jesus is telling us that he has all authority in heaven and on earth he is God so yeah he's got it and so he says that first. We ought to pay attention to that. And then he says, "Go, therefore." Okay, boys and girls. He says, "Go." He doesn't say, "Go if you want to." He doesn't say, "Go if you have time." He doesn't say, "Go if you don't have anything else to do." He says, "Go, therefore." <clears throat> That's pretty mandatory. Now we're going to talk about there are different ways to go. And particularly tonight, you'll see some more ideas about things to to do. But it's very, very clear. And what, is, what does he want us to do? He wants us to make disciples of all nations. So it's not just Waco. It's not just Texas, the U.S., it's the, not even Dallas. It's the world. And we've got some folks right here that are working in a very, very fantastic place uh, in China that's just, just amazing. But there are places, as Jeff's alluded to already this morning, that they don't worship God. They don't have any idea who God really is. And we need to make disciples of all nations. And part of that is teaching them. Um, One of the things that we do at our church is we build in, if possible, a teaching aspect of what we're doing with short-term missions, with uh, church planning efforts, with uh, various projects that we have around the world. We take people like Jeff and other pastors and elders and other people that are good teachers. And we get people together to listen and learn, and teach them more about what the Bible. In China, when I first went to China and talked to house church guys and gals, what did they? We said, "What do you need?" And it was theological teaching. That's what they all talked about. Um, and hmm, here in the Great Commission, it talks about doing just that—teaching them. But then Jesus tells us one other thing that's important to remember, and that is, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he's not sending us out there alone. He's with us. His spirit is with us. So we can handle it. It's hard, but we can handle it. Uh, Somebody asked, uh, I think it was last week, well, how long are we supposed to be doing this? Uh, if we're really supposed to go, teaching and all that, how long are we supposed to be doing it? Well, there are a couple of verses you don't need to turn to that give, I think, the answer. One is in Revelation uh, 7, 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And in Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We don't know when the end is coming. We don't know when Christ is coming back, despite what's-his-name of a couple of weeks ago who said he was... <laughs> which is... Uh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but we don't know. But our assignment is to go and tell about Jesus, demonstrate who Jesus is, and tell people about it, until Jesus comes back, and then the end will come. So that's our job. Pretty simple. So uh, to me, I think it's a pretty clear direction. Now, I do need to say before you get scared about going. You know, people worry about it. You know, oh well, wait a minute, I may have to go to Timbuktu. By the way, did you know that Timbuktu really exists? It's it's a village in Africa, in in the country of uh, Mali, I think. Uh, It really exists. I I also remember a conference I went to years ago back in the Iron Curtain days, um, and they were sneaking Bibles behind uh, the Iron Curtain, and they actually had a video with barbed wire, gun turrets, and all that kind of stuff, and guys, you know, in in the middle of the night poking a hole through the fence, sneaking through with a backpack full of Bibles, running around, and it was pretty exciting stuff. And at the end of this little video, that was, you know, a real shaky video, uh, somebody said um, to the missionary, uh, what happens if you get caught? And he looked at him and not as, he didn't even wait a second, deadpan. Well, when Jesus said go, he didn't say anything about coming back. Well, he didn't sign up too many missionaries that day. (laughs) He really didn't. But there are ways to go and we'll talk about it that don't, mean moving to China or don't mean moving to Indonesia or don't mean moving to the Philippines. That may be well what God has in mind but there are other things that we can do and we're going to talk about those a little bit more tonight. But it does have to do with going to your neighbors, going to your place of work knowing who Christ is so that you can share what he has done for you. And I think there are many ways that, you, that you'll... I hope there are many ways that you'll see about going. So he's called us to a message of reconciliation. And let's look a little bit more at what that is before we look at those verses. But I want to look at what that message means, what it comes from, and even more about the direction uh, from our God, what he wants us to do with it, um, what what it means for going, therefore, So, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you heard that read just a few minutes ago. We'll start at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, there are two or three things I want to point out here. One is in the very first verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. I don't want us just to read over that. I want you to think what that really means. If you're a new creation. If you know, if you really know that you're a sinner. If you really know who you are and you know God knows who you are. And then you realize what he has done for you through Christ. That is the salvation that you have through Christ. I want you to really think about that. It's important. We often talk about the gospel in our hearts every day. That's part of it. Knowing who Jesus is, knowing who God is, knowing who you are, and therefore what He has done. So I want you to think, don't just read past that. Because it's important and it's and it's basic and it's first, because then he goes a step farther in that. He gave us, and it says this twice in two different ways, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, he's already reconciled us to himself, right? We just talked about that. He's reconciled him to himself. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, and he entrusted to us, another way of saying it, the message of reconciliation. So, if we know what God did for us, if we know about that reconciliation, we ought to be pretty excited about that. Now, we didn't. maybe we didn't go to seminary, so we can't explain it the way Jeff could explain it and the way Shainer could explain it. But we know what he did. We know. And guess what? Whether you went to seminary or not, he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. He's given you the message of reconciliation. He said it twice. And part of my emphasis this morning is how many times... In this book, God talks to us about what he wants us to be about. And it's not few, it's a lot. And this is the Holy Scriptures. So I want to think about that. And usually in a group like this, I need to say most most of you are believers. And probably we have some guests or maybe some folks that aren't believers yet. I want you to know that I'm, I'm speaking mostly to the believers in the group but if you're here and you don't know who Christ is please listen to what, what we're talking about. Listen to these scriptures. Listen to what reconciliation means. Listen to the fact that all of us are sinful but God has made a way for you to be made right and with him so that you can spend an eternity with him. It's in, 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 you just need to know who that is, know who you are, and know who God is, and you need to trust that God will love you that way. And maybe if, if you get kind of edgy this morning, you may want to know more about it. And so I really urge you to talk to Jeff, talk to the elders, the deacons, talk to me um, about it. Maybe this is the morning God will call you to himself. there's a little bit more in Corinthians and that's in verse 20 and it is therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us God is using us to carry his message to the world remember he gave us the message of reconciliation he trusted us with that ministry and now in case we're kind of dim and don't get it he says hmm we are he says therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us that should make us listen that should make us stop and think hmm I'm his ambassador what am I doing about that how am I representing Jesus how am I doing that how am I not doing that and again I think it goes back to if we really know what God did for us, if we really know that we can trust him, if we really know that he saved us, then we're going to be more anxious to talk to other people about it. Whether it's here or in Timbuktu. This is all building. We've, we've already, we've read the Great Commission. He's given us this message of reconciliation. And he even made it possible for us to be reconciled to him, to be saved, to spend an eternity with him, not an eternity in hell. And then he made us ambassadors. Um, I'm telling you, more and more, this is a pretty good book. There's good stuff in here. And I really hope you all will read it and pay attention to um, a lot of things. Again, when I first started, I didn't think this was as exciting as it is. But I'm beginning, finally, I'm dense, and finally I'm beginning to learn. But there's still more on top of that. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Kind of familiar verses, but I want to show you something that maybe is a little different, maybe you haven't thought of. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to do verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. Then in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or the NIV says good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. The first two verses are familiar and important, and it has to do with our salvation and the fact that we are saved through faith. And it is through the grace of God that that happens. And even then, he gives us that faith. It's not anything we do. It's not works. It's not being a good guy. It's not uh, working at the local um, uh, uh, food shelter. It's not doing things like that. That doesn't get us to heaven. You know that. But he makes it possible through faith be reconciled with god and therefore have an eternity in heaven and that's important but what we sometimes forget and don't link i don't think is the tenth verse and it starts with for and i know some of y'all have heard the old line when you see the word for look look and see what it's there for see what it's there okay so we've talked about being saved by by, uh, grace through faith And then it says, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand. I think that's before the beginning of time that we know it. That we should walk in them. God has prepared good works for us to do. What are those? What are those? What are the good works that God has prepared for you to do? Because if you're a believer, if if you are one in Christ... If you have come to f- saving knowledge of Christ, God has prepared something before the beginning of time for you to do, for me to do, for Jeff to do, for Ada to do. He really has. So let me, let me, let me look at it a different way. Because um, sometimes we don't even know when God might be calling us to do things. Um, one of the countries that I've been to many times is the com- country of Laos. It's a communist country, small country, uh, terrible persecution there from the communist government. Um, it's the only country I know of that there are more Laotians outside the country than inside the country. There are 6 million Laotians in the country, 10 million outside, because they fled. They had to. And one of those, one of those refugees I know, and uh, back in 1980, um, he was living in Laos with his wife And a couple of family members, and he just couldn't take the communist government anymore. He couldn't take the persecution. He was not a believer. He'd heard about God. It's a Buddhist country. He'd heard about God. Heard about a mighty God. But he wasn't, he just wasn't a believer. So he paid to rent a a raft that would hopefully take him across the Mekong River into Thailand. Now, when you think about the Mekong River, you might want to think about, like, the Mississippi it's a big river, big currents, and, and he's going to go on this little raft with his small family, go across, and hopefully into a refugee camp in Thailand. In those days, it was difficult. Uh, the guy he paid for, uh, uh, paid for the, uh, the raft, too, sometimes those guys, you know, they said, well, it'll be over there under that tree when you're ready to go, and the raft's not there, and they just take your money. But he got over there. And the raft was there. So in the middle of the night, he sets off across this river. And um, in those days, the Laotians had gunboats up and down the river. And their deal was, if they're going down the river and they see see a little family like like Steve and his two right there, if they see you guys, they're going to shine a spotlight on you and then with big guns cut you down. That's what they did so Boone this guy that I'm talking about with his little family they start across the river they get out in the middle of the river it's dark, it's night and sure enough here comes a gunboat coming down and the gunboat comes down slows down in front of the raft shines the light Boone stands up You know, he he thinks he knows what's going to happen he stands up in front of his family he knows that's not going to save them but it's just an instinct he stands there and nothing happened The boat just kept going. Just kept going. Hmm. So he goes across the river, gets into a refugee camp, and at the camp there's an evangelist. And he's preaching. And he's talking about the mighty God. And Boone stands up and he said, I met the mighty God back on that river. He saved my life. And he became a believer Uh, that very night. His wife became a believer. And there were, I I was just in that camp. That camp existed like, you know, for three or four years. It had 40,000 refugees in it. It's still there. It's all overgrown. I was just there with that very pastor who preached the, the, the evangelist that night. Boone became a minister of the gospel. 15 to 20 people out of that camp became servants of God in this country. They formed a Laotian group of churches in this country that in August will have its 30th anniversary, the Lao Christian uh, Conference. And those people didn't know what God wanted them to do. They didn't know. and They hadn't even been to seminary. They didn't know. But God wanted them to do something. He had good works for them to do. By the way, 1980 is a special year for me because the conference I went to Uh, where I remember missions is dull and boring Um, that conference was in 1980 and this is the same year this guy came to faith and uh, so that's become a very special time for me okay so guess what there's even more direction in case we're still dense folks in case we still don't get the word let's go to Acts let's look at Acts chapter 1 pretty popular verse for missions, conferences, and for a lot of things that make sense. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are the last words that Christ told his followers before he ascended. Now, most of y'all know that if you're going on a trip or if you're going away for a long time and you're maybe looking at your family and you're about to say goodbye, probably the last thing you say is going to be pretty important. Pretty important to you, pretty important to them. So I think we ought to pay attention to this. So again, there's a parallel with the Great Commission. He's saying that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you hmm, wait a minute, something about Pentecost too today that that we celebrate, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and the whole ends of the earth that's Waco, Texas, US, and the whole world it really is, but again he is giving us the power to do it not only does he have the authority to give it to us but he is also giving us the power to do it. So he's not throwing us out there all by our lonesome. He's given us the spirit to make it make it happen. And these are the last words. The last thing he told us. Hmm. I think that's pretty important. I really do. Um, in preparing for this, I was reading through some commentaries about these, about the Acts verses. And one guy wrote, We still do not know when the Lord will come, but we know what our purpose is. We also know that we are much closer to the end of time than the apostles were. The last words of Jesus had to do with the true nature of his kingdom and taking his message to the entire world. Christians today must have a correct understanding of the Lord's church and then communicate that, communicate that vital truth to the world before he comes. I think that's true. So again, where are we? What does all this mean? We've heard a very strong command called the Great Commission. We've been reconciled to God, and I keep urging, I keep wanting you to think about what does that really mean? Think about, there are ways to, different ways to think about it. It might be the fact that you're going to avoid going to hell. You're going to avoid spending an eternity separated from God. But it also means you're going to spend an eternity with God, worshiping God And not worrying about all this stuff that we have to worry about here. That's going to be pretty cool. And so think about that. Think about what God's done for you. I think we ought to be kind of overwhelmed by it. But we're so comfortable. We, you know, we have a nice facility, nice place to worship. Most of us are doing okay uh, work-wise. Some of us are having some struggles. But we got food to eat. It's not like... In China, where Sarah was telling us, I've forgotten how many millions uh, don't have, they live on less than $1 a day, that kind of thing. It, we, don't, we don't live in that. Um, so we ought to be thankful for that, but also thankful for our, the eternity. We ought to be moved, I think, so much that we just can't help but tell people about who God is. But we just don't always get it. And that's why I think God told us over and over in this book that of what we're supposed to do. One of those things was, as we've read, we are to be his ambassadors. He's even prepared good works for you to do, you to do, you to do, me to do. We need to ask him what those good works are. And we need to ask him what those good works are that Redeemer Church. What are the good works that that God wants this church to do? Many good works that have already started. And with this facility and the new th- the new growth New people that are coming and will, will be coming as this area develops stronger, we need to be asking about that. And he wants us, he wants his message of the saving grace of and the gospel of Christ to go to Waco, the U.S. and the world. And he and he gives us the power to do it. But we still just don't get it sometimes. Some say, well, we, ought to, we need to spend more time in worship. We need to spend more time teaching ourselves and, and being deeper in the Word. We need to build each other up. Um, and yeah, we are to make disciples. We are to teach our people. And we are to worship. No question we are to worship. But can't we do that and some other things? I mean, do we just have to do that? I mean, there, aren't there some other things that maybe God would have us to do? I think we can The scriptures are clearly telling us to go. Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? Um, Short short summary of the book of Jonah. Some of you may have heard this. I hope this works with, with my microphone. God said to Jonah, Go. Jonah said, No. God said, Oh. Hmm. There's a message for us there. There's a message for us. That's probably why he put it in the Bible. Um, I went to graduation, a seminary graduation recently, and one of the speakers talked about the graduates being set apart for the ministry of Christ. Well, guess what, folks? All of us are set apart for the ministry of Christ. You don't have to be a seminary grad. You don't have to be a that. I mean, you can be. That's a great thing. It's a great thing. But... It's all of us. It's all of us. Regular people, people without training, they can do it. Um, the American Christian is running away from that. Now, I'm generalizing, not everybody. The American Christian is running away from that. The American church is running away from that. Do you know that there are more Christians, evangelical Christians in China than there are in the United States? There really are. There are probably 100 million Uh, Christians in China nobody knows for sure it's really hard to tell and here maybe 75 million evangelical Christians we're not what we used to be but you know regular people can grow a church Um, another story from uh, this time from Thailand Uh, one of our ministries in northeast Thailand at that refugee camp at that same location I was talking about is a medical clinic and uh, Steve maybe has heard me, I can't remember, I may have told you a little bit about this clinic. But it is a word and deed ministry. And it was established, ooh, as a hook to get people interested in what Jesus could do and start a church. And it worked. That, that clinic was manned by Christians who loved the Lord and wanted to share the gospel. And there's a village called, and I can't, I can't say this right, but Wong Long, um, about an hour and a half away. And a lady in that village was sick. Couldn't get well. And she heard about this Christian clinic. She didn't know what that meant because she was Buddhist. But she heard about this clinic and some people said, you ought to go there, maybe they can help you. But they're at least nice. They're not like the government places, so they're nice. So she goes to the clinic and she goes and she hears the gospel from the pastor because there was a kind of a group thing at the start of the day. Then she goes to see the doctor And the doctor shares the gospel and also finds out what's wrong and gives her some medication. Two things happen: She got well physically. She also accepted Christ. Okay. She goes back to her village an hour and a half away. She talks to her brother and says, hey, I know you're not sick, but you ought to go to this clinic. (laughs) They, They got something going there. So he does. He goes. And he goes to the clinic. And guess what? He becomes saved. He goes back to the village, back to Wong Long. This is about four and a half years ago. And the two of them start talking to their families and their friends in this little village. I've been to the village several times. Today, there are 40 baptized believers in that village. They didn't have evangelism training. They didn't have EE training. They didn't go to seminary. God moved in their hearts They knew what that meant. They knew what that reconciliation meant. And they went back and they just had to tell everybody. Today that's going to be a daughter church of the main church that that is right by the clinic. And there are people there that are wonderful. Every Sunday, every Sunday, they get in two or three vehicles, drive on bumpity roads an hour and a half to go to church. They don't complain about driving 25 minutes to go to church. They drive an hour and a half to go to church. They stay there all day and then at night they go back. And we're hoping that with, shortly that they'll have their own pastor and have their own church. That's what regular people can do. But more importantly, that's what God can do. And that's what he wants us to do. He tells us a lot about what he wants us to do. I was thinking, I've said it already, this book really has a lot about going and I, I just I spent a few minutes and just went through and wrote down a few verses I'm not going to read them all but I, I just want to I just want to hit them a little bit Matthew 28 go therefore and make disciples of all nations second Corinthians he gave us a ministry of reconciliation he trusted us the message of reconciliation he wants us to be his ambassadors Acts 1 8 you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Ephesians 2 8 and 10 He prepared good works for us to do. Genesis, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house. Um, Mark, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew, let your light shine before others. Acts 10, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God. First Peter, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone, James, be doers of the word, not just hearers. What is it about this book that we don't get? It seems to me pretty clear, unless we're just ignoring it. We need, we need the American church needs to come back to the roots of this book and know more about what God has done for us and what he wants us to do. He re- we really do. Let me tell you one more story. This has to do with why we should go. Um, On my last trip, I was in India. And there we're working with some uh, people that are young pastors. Most of them are really not very educated, maybe high school, some of them even less. We're helping along with some other churches in the PCA. we're, We're doing some training. And it's really important. And these guys are trained, and then they go out to villages and try to reach other villages. And it's a, it's a, it's a hard work. And some of the villages in India are, are, are quite difficult. One pastor was talking about his experience. He had been in our training. He went, he went out to a village that was a hard village. Nobody, nobody were, were, were believers, no one in this village. And he, and he was telling them, the, the, the leaders of the village... He was telling them about the sacrifice of Christ, about the gospel, and what that meant. And he was just trying to open doors and began, these are Hindus mostly, and you don't read about it, but Hindus are, in, in parts of India are pretty bad in terms of persecution of Christians. They do things there that you, you think of Hindus as this peaceful kind of thing, but and most of them are, but they're not all. Anyway, he's talking to this guy, talking about the sacrifice that Christ made. And the guy stopped him and said, say that again. And he said, which part? And he said, say that about the sacrifice. And he said, well, you know, we're all all sinners. We need to be made right. We deserve punishment. God sacrificed his son. He took the punishment for us. He sacrificed his son for us. And the guy said, I wish you had come yesterday why? because yesterday we sacrificed a little boy to the gods of this village there's a reason God wants us there's a reason he wants us to go and tell his story Now you may say well hey I'm in Waco I'm not about saving somebody's life somebody's not going to be Sacrifice. Yes, they are. They're going to be sacrificed and go to hell. We need to be sharing the gospel right here. We need to be telling the message of Christ right here. But sometimes we, we just don't get it. What have we seen? We've seen God's command, the great commission. We've seen his call to a message of reconciliation. We've seen the call to be God's ambassadors. And he's even created good works for us to do. Some of us know what those good works are. Some of us don't. We need to ask him about that. Hopefully that, hopefully you've seen a little bit about what God has to say about all of this. Hopefully you can begin to piece it together. I think we need to recommit ourselves to worshiping and serving a God who is unbelievable. He really is. He's unbelievable because of the love He has for you and for me. Would you love me if you really knew me? Sue knows me. But... God knows me even more. Would others love you if they really knew who you were and what you did and what you thought? God does. He really does. He loves us so much that he sent his son to take the punishment that we deserved for our sins. It seems to me that That we should be more serious about our sins and more serious about understanding what God's done for us and therefore going in different ways I think our churches need to celebrate more about this unbelievable God through worship, through teaching and through going in different ways does this fit Redeemer's vision statement. Ha-ha! There's a vision statement on the website. It's out there. And it says, Redeemer Presbyterian Church exists to extend the supremacy of God by delighting in the worth and work of Jesus Christ in Waco and beyond. Hmm. Sounds to me like that's a fit. Good job. (laughs) You and whoever else crafted that many years ago. Um, There's also a core belief that some of y'all, if you, if you go a little farther on the website, there's a list of core beliefs. One of them is the gospel of God's salvation in Jesus Christ must be published to all the world as a witness before Christ returns. Well, guess what? That fits also. That fits you guys. You've said you want to do this, and you are doing part of it. You really are. At our church, at Park Cities, there's a small group of elders that's meeting right now. As we try, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary. And we're trying to see what God would have us do in the future. And we're not trying to come up with a strategic plan and that kind of stuff. We've done that. And don't do a strategic plan. Uh, we've done all of that. Uh, but we want God to talk to us. And we're really praying. We've been looking at the book of Acts. Um, the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and also Peter's sermon. And one of the things that struck us in one of our meetings recently was in the second, let's see, it's in uh, the 43rd verse at Pentecost, and during that time, awe came upon every soul. Think about that. Awe, in terms of God and who He is, came upon every soul. Every soul. And you'll probably remember that 3,000 were added to the church that day. In Acts 2.47, we are told that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We are trying to be at our church really kind of brutally honest about where we are as a church. And we are asking ourselves the question, why is the Lord not adding to our number day by day? There's a lot going on at Park City's Presbyterian Church that's good. But we're asking ourselves, why is the Lord not adding to our number day by day? It happened in the book of Acts. We can read about it. We truly can. So I think going is a part of that answer. And I think we've seen what the scriptures have to say about it. We need to remember daily what God has done for us. We need to follow what God has asked us to do, in fact, told us to do. We need to ask Him what He wants us to do. What are those good works? And we need to obey. We need to commit to a loving God. We really do. We need to worship and serve an unbelievable, holy, and all-loving God. And we need to go there for one of the things I we're going to serve communion in just a minute one of the things I want you to think about if you would is what does that mean Jeff will be talking about it and he'll talk about the elements and what that means the most meaningful communion I've ever been in I served in Indonesia in uh, Banda Aceh Aceh province which is um, as some of you know Indonesia is a Muslim country Aceh province is actually under Sharia law and bad things happen there. I've been to the Grand Mosque, and it's, a, it's, a, it's just a, a, a place that just is dark, dark. And I served communion with, I think there were probably 30 or 40 Indonesian believers, many ex-Muslim, not all ex-Muslim, but many. And I've never had a more moving experience because as I served, people would come forward, and you could see you could see in their eyes and in their hearts that they understood what the God of the universe did for them. They understood the salvation. They understood the breaking of the body. They understood the blood of Christ. One lady was so moved that she was just standing there crying uncontrollably, shaking. I thought she would collapse. I couldn't speak her language. All I could do is whisper, God loves you. God loves you. He knows who you are. When we celebrate communion, try to think about that. Try to think about what God has done for you. He did it for you even though you didn't deserve it. Try to think about that. And if you understand that, if you understand that, then maybe you'll get turned on to want to go, therefore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are indeed the God of the universe. Father, you love us. You love us in ways that we can't understand. Help us, Father, to understand more deeply and intimately who you are. And because of that, help us to know what you would have us to do. Help us to know what those good works are that you created in advance for us to do. Father, we love you um, and thank you for the love that you've given us. I pray for this church that it will be a giant beacon for Christ and that many, many will go in different ways to serve you and to be your ambassadors. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.